1: VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
2: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music and lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I
3: get you? I'll have a strawberry
4: mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go.
1: AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled.
5: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury...
2: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio.
4: Oh, it's the day before the day, the NFL draft. Oh, Paulie is getting nervous. Is there going to be a quarterback taken in the first 13 picks? Tom Pelissero, the NFL Network, will join us coming up here in a little bit. Reggie Miller, NBA on TNT analyst a little bit later on. You can be involved in the program in a variety of ways. You can dial us up, email, tweet, all the above. We say good morning to our streaming partner, Peacock. It's really simple. Just download the app. Watch for free all three hours if you like. We could ever charge you for this content. And we say good morning to our radio affiliates. We say hello to uh, Fox Sports Radio, also iHeart, and uh, our great radio affiliates around the country. We're nearly 400 cities. Come on. Yes, nearly 400 cities. I'm not going to stop until every city carries this program. 877 3DP show. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter, handle at DP show. Seaton's job, aside from keeping Fritzy on the straight and narrow, come up with a poll question today. Not easy, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Todd's already hit me twice with, hey, I've got a limerick on the Grizzlies. I got it, Todd. You do have it. Yeah, we're two minutes and fifteen seconds in, and I've already gotten two emails from you. We don't need that many emails right before you have to entertain a nation. Thank you, Todd. Also, a Sports Center tease. Todd has that as well. That's too much on one day. Yeah, it is. That yeah, space just, is out. Yes, yes, we do. By the way, buy one, get one for 50% off. So it's a buy one, get one sale in the store, danpatrick.com. Any t shirt, get a second one, 50% off. No code required. Just add shirts to your cart and you can save our stats of the day brought to you by the great folks at panini america the official trading cards of the dan patrick show hit the music stat of the day i've got one that is on fire if you include the postseason the suns are now 50-0 and when leading after three quarters they're looking to join the 2019-2020 Lakers, who went 57-0, It's the only team since 1954 to go an entire season without losing a game when leading after three quarters. Start of the day. Start of the day. Start of the the Suns went up three games to two on the Pelicans. Heat close out the Hawks. Grizzlies up three-two. On the Wolves, Bulls, Bucks tonight, Nuggets at the Warriors. If you didn't follow the NBA during the regular season, you probably weren't aware of the jump that John Morant has made in his game. Last night, he put all those skills on display. The Grizzlies were down double digits, less than seven minutes to go. John Morant scored 18 in the fourth quarter, leading the Grizz past the Timberwolves. He'd finished with 13 rebounds. Nine assists and 30 points. And if that wasn't enough, he had an unbelievable dunk that sounded like this. Brooks, the- I have. That's
6: the play of the day. The game winning layup is what I have. Oh. oh.
4: Wow, that would have been great. It next- would have seemed like we had planned this out. <laughs> My bad.
7: Maybe next time, John Moran has one of the best dunks in the past generation.
4: Yeah. You can hear that. That was really just a tease what you were doing for 40 minutes. Yeah, Marv. But that's play of the day. Yeah, I know, but I I could have still played it and then had it as play of the day. How about we reenact it? Um, Let's see. Uh, uh, Let's see. How do I do it? You want to do play-by-play and then we could be the uh, character actors? Are you going to be the crowd? It's it, it. would have sounded something like this: John Moran in the lane, over Malik Be. Oh!
1: Oh!
4: That's one of the greatest uh, postseason dogs ever. You got to get in I mean, are I'm you kidding, kidding, kidding
7: me? Horn center, top ten. Yeah. <laughs> Dramatic reenactment
5: of uh, plays. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah.
4: I don't believe what I just saw. So. Half man, half bird. That was Vince Carter, like. Everybody's going crazy over this dunk. And look, it's a great dunk. It's a it's a postseason dunk. Uh, but you're, they want to call it the greatest dunk they've ever seen. And I just would say, maybe not. There's a few other ones. And, and the reason why I would probably bring in other dunks there, uh, you know, for arguing points. When you dunk on somebody you truly dunk on them, is when they go up to try to block your shot. When John Starks dunked, and that was on all the bulls, that's a big dunk. K.J., Kevin Johnson dunked on Akeem Olajuwon, one of the two or three best defensive players of all time. And K.J. is, you know, giving up eight inches there to Akeem Olajuwon. That was a great dunk. There have been so many great dunks. Now, John Morant, cocking and pulling and, uh, you know, with with the dunk. You know, Malik Beasley is just standing there, and he just jumps over him. I mean, it's not like Vince Carter jumped over a seven-footer, Frederick Weiss, and dunked in the Olympics. But this is, you know, it's a great play, explosive play, but also help them win the game. That's the most important part with this. But there are so many dunks in NBA history and even postseason history, where somebody challenges you, that's when you dunk on somebody. You dunk over. John Morant dunked over Malik Beasley. He didn't dunk on him. He dunked over him. Yeah, Paul. Did you
7: say in the morning meeting you would consider calling a charge on John I and that I
4: <laughs> oh, Can you imagine? <laughs> and send it the other way. Oh, we're looking, at the, we're looking at the video and I go, is that a charge? And Seaton C- goes, you can't call a charge there. <laughs> yes. can, can we reenact <laughs> what that call would sound like? Because yep. the crowd would be vastly different. Okay. All right. John ran down the lane and Duncan. Oh, oh, no, they
0: called a charge. Boom.
1: Oh, <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs>
4: Uh, John Morant is just 22 years of age. You know, you're just seeing somebody emerge as a star. You know, when he came into the league, and I, I think our question was, would you rather have Zion or John Morant? And I said John Morant because I thought that I could get longevity out of him. I thought Zion's body would turn on him. And, well, we've seen some of that. Plus, John Morant's more exciting when you think about it. John Morant in game. I still think the best highlight that he's had of his career when he went up to block that shot, like he went up and, and caught it. And I thought, oh, my God, it, it looked like, you know, where you're seeing CGI, where you're going, ah, that little guy just went up and at the top of the square, and you know he didn't block a shot, he, he caught a shot. That, to me, was, you know, as impressive, if not more so, than this dunk that he had last night. But, you know, you look around the NBA – you know, they're in good hands with young talent here. Minnesota is a fun team. You know, they're they're on, they're kind of on the verge of being maybe like Memphis. And here's another thing. John Moran is not the most improved player in the NBA. He won the award. Desmond Bain, his his teammate, who nobody knew, that's the guy who deserved most improved. John Moran is a great player. You know? Yes, Marv. Can we stop with giving the
6: most improved players to lottery picks?
4: Like, John Morant <laughs> right. was the second
6: overall pick. I know.
4: Yeah, where I did, agree.
6: Where did Desmond Bain go to school? Okay, me neither. I don't know.
4: <laughs> I think that, um, you know who could get most improved next year? A former number one pick. Ben Simmons. He
7: played 82 more games yes. than he did <laughs> the previous season. Ben most improved.
4: Thin- I'm already starting the campaign. Ben Simmons, most improved player next year. All righty, poll question today, <laughs> man. What did what happened to the show? We're not even ten minutes in. Good start. We're on fire. Dang. Yeah, all right. Uh, well, I might as well. This one's going to seem like
5: it's completely out of the blue, but it kind of goes with what we're saying. Who's going to have a better Whoa. season next year? Who, uh,
4: John Morant or Trey Young? Uh Trey. Trey had a bad couple of weeks here. Uh, give me the question again. I said, who's going to have a better season next year, John Morant or Trey Young? Uh, I w- well, Trey led the league in scoring and assist. He had the most points scored and assist. Still, a lot of turnovers. He got roughed up. I mean, Miami went after him a lot of times, and and he's not getting the calls that he once got. Him and Harden are being officiated differently, or maybe they're being officiated like everybody else is. And we've seen, we've seen that have an impact on their game. I would say John Morant. The the one question I have or concern about John Morant is you're not going to be able to keep attacking the rim at that size. Now, in a different era, he would have gotten knocked on his rear end a few times. They would not put up with any of that nonsense. You know, Jordan stopped attacking because they were, they foul him hard. And then Mike would eventually just set up on the low post and, you know, take you to school hitting those little turnaround jumpers. You know, John ja Morant, I developed the outside game a little bit. I think that'll help because I don't think you can keep attacking. Uh, you know, because there's an Iverson feel to him of attacking that way. And, and I think Allen Iverson's going to join us on the program tomorrow. I'll see if he sees those comparisons. Yes, uh, Seton. And I don't know if it was just a, a graphic that was used on you know, social media
5: or something like that, or if it was an actual poster, but there's this uh, image of Allen Iverson just standing, and there's sort of like that uh, operation game where it points to all of the different injuries yeah. he's yeah. had. It looks like it's like acupuncture. There's just a gajillion things of like,
4: oh, this fractured, this separated, this whatever. And eventually – It's going to catch up to you. At 22, you can fly. You know, you can go to the hoop, you can attack, and eventually you're going to have these guys who get banged up and they have to change their game a little bit. I would like to see Ja change his game before somebody forces him to change his game physically. Uh, You know, Trey Young used to go to the hoop and, uh, you know, stop going to the hoop, not going to get to the free throw line. We've seen James Harden, same way not shooting as many free throws as you normally do, but John Moran attacks and uh, it's fun to watch. It's a fun team. That's why when, you know, you looked at, uh, and I don't know how many games he played, maybe uh, 62, something like that. And, you know, people use that as a, you know, against him that for MVP. And I said, well, you're missing the point here. You're missing how good Memphis is as a team. Like that, you can be use it as a negative with Jaw, but you got to have a compliment here for the rest of the team because that is a good team. They got they got some fun players, and they're not afraid of the big moment so far. And I also saw this the criticism of Trey Young. Well, not ready for the big big moment there. He went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Where were you last year with the big moment there? Give credit to Miami. You know, Oladipo, Jimmy Butler. Bam Adebayo, they had an answer for him. And, you know, Atlanta is not – Atlanta got to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're not a great team. You know, they border on being a good team. But they they still need to, you know, improve that roster a little bit because it's too Trey Young heavy. Yes, Todd?
5: And I know the Knicks weren't great and they only won one game, but Trey Young, did he not step up in Madison Square Garden of all places? Well, I don't
4: care where you do. Madison Square Garden doesn't mean anything now. It used to. Now it doesn't mean anything. You beat the Knicks, so what?
1: That, those fans, they can get a little a uh,
5: little crazy on you.
4: You know, they, they can't guard you.
5: Chanting about his receding hairline the whole game.
4: Oh, my gosh. Man, that's going to really affect you. <laughs> and they can't guard you, so who cares? I mean, you know when you have a home court advantage? Usually when your team is really good, then you have a home court advantage. And like Seattle? Man, Seattle had an unbelievable home field advantage when they had the Legion of Boom. Nobody talked about that home field advantage last year, did they? The last couple of years. It's amazing when you have a really good team, and that's a tough place to play. Nobody says that about going into Orlando to face the magic. Man, that's a tough place to play. If Orlando was great, then they might go, man, that, that team, that's pretty, uh, a pretty tough place. Pelicans, you know, now all of a sudden it became a little bit more of a home court advantage. They're loud there. But the Pelicans got better. That always helps. Yes, Marv.
6: Now, Memphis... Is the grind house again. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when they were bad, it was just a place where you just go on a Tuesday night and beat It was up just the, the house. Yeah, yeah, it was just the house.
4: Now it's the grind house. It was just the FedEx Forum. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, Tom Pellicero, NFL Network, will join us uh, as here we are on the eve of the NFL draft. This is when you start to get some information. I had a source yesterday say, uh, hey, I heard you talking about teams interested in quarterbacks. Keep an eye on Tennessee. And I went Tennessee. It was yeah. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, I think, is in his last year of his deal. And are you going to extend him? Is this a luxury pick where you can maybe grab a quarterback and then you have one for the? And also, he said that you're going to see teams go up to the last pick of the first round. That we've seen this a couple of times. You know, Lamar Jackson. Uh, who was the other quarterback uh, recently that they went up and, and got at the last pick of the first round? I, uh, it's escaped me. But you want to get the five year deal. You want to, not a four year deal, you want to get a five year deal. You can go up and get somebody at the end of the first round. And it might be, you know, Sam Howell at North Carolina, Matt Corral, somebody like Desmond Ritter. Somebody might go up there and get somebody with the last pick of the first round. So you have a five year contract with them instead of four. All right, we'll talk to Pellicero, get his thoughts on Debo Samuel. I still haven't heard why he wants out of San Francisco. Does he want to go back closer to his home in South Carolina? Does he not like the Niners? How he's being used? Or could this just be about money? Hmm. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio Find your local station for The Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app.
5: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80.
7: and with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
4: Yesterday, Paulie goes, Hey, Wednesday, I've got an NFL question that might take over the show. Hmm. All right, I may have oversold it, but I was thinking about this for a while. So okay. the
7: NFL draft is tomorrow. Okay. Imagine you had an NFL draft of every player who's ever played in the NFL and you owned a team and had the number one overall pick. Removing quarterbacks. Removing quarterbacks. So every player in NFL history, every lineman, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You get one player, one play. and you, have, you also get their entire career knowing how healthy they were, how unhealthy they were, how long they're going to be around. So if you're going to take Calvin Johnson, the wide receiver, you get – seven or eight great years. If you're going to take
4: Lawrence Taylor, Lawrence I get. Taylor.
7: Okay. First team, all pro basically his first eight years, but mm-hmm. not as long as others. Mm-hmm.
4: So who would you take? Number one overall? I'd have to give that some, some serious thought. There you go. How about I bring in Tom Pellicero, the NFL network reporter, NFL network. Uh, they're going to have the coverage of the 2022 NFL draft from Las Vegas, kicking off Thursday at eight Eastern with the first round. And, uh, Tom, I believe, joining us on the program. Tom, uh, let me ask you that question. Any player in NFL history, uh, aside from a quarterback? Ooh, I think we just lost Tom Pelissero. Pauly, who would your pick be? My pick is Reggie White.
7: For 16 years, he was a dominant defensive lineman. Not eight or nine years. Mm. He won the defensive MVP, defensive player of the year, at age 26 and again at age
4: 37. He had 16 great years. Reggie White. All right. Um, anybody else have a uh, a thought on that? You know, th- and here's another thing, though. You're trying to look at the NFL now as opposed to what these guys did when they played. Like Jim Brown, when he played in the late 60s, was the best player in football. But Jim Brown now, you know, what, how, would you, how would you be using Jim Brown now? Uh, Jerry Rice, um, you know, you're going to get 20 years. Yeah, see. What position then do you think has changed most over running back? Yeah, it's just it's so devalued now. Nobody's talking about a running back in this year's draft. I I've, I've yet to see somebody saying, "Hey, this running back could get into the top 25, 20, you know, top 30." Doesn't feel like there is that running back out there. So I think that that's probably been the position devalued the most. Wide receiver, tight end feels like Feels like the tight end has been elevated more so. Uh, You know, because I go back to when Mike Ditka played or John Mackey played. You know, Kellen Winslow was the first of that hybrid wide receiver tight end. And uh, it just feels like everybody has to have an athletic tight end. You know, you had tight ends who came in. Uh, Tony Gonzalez followed Kellen Winslow. Uh, Shannon Sharp, very athletic tight end. Yeah, Paulie.
7: I'm going to throw out another player for this question. What about Anthony Munoz? I think he made 10, he was 10 times all pro, not Pro Bowl, all- pro, at offensive tackle. That's a sure thing.
4: Yeah, And at that position, I, I, I mean, you could make a case Anthony Munoz is the greatest offensive lineman in history. And, and there have been a lot of great offensive linemen, but uh, Munoz, what he did, uh, granted it was in Cincinnati, so maybe not as many people recognized that greatness. Uh, did get to uh, a couple of Super Bowls, but uh, her, I think he was at one, one of those Super Bowls. I don't know if he was with uh, them for both of those Super Bowls. So we're uh, trying to connect with Tom Pellicero, the NFL Network, and uh, Fritzy says that it'll be about a minute there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about that if you did look at – see, Lawrence Taylor didn't give you a long enough shelf life I, I got to look at longevity there. I think that that's... Because some of these guys were great in a five-year window, but if you're looking at it, somebody could give you 15 years of quality football. I know that Jerry Rice is going to be great for a long time. And even today, like I always imagine that. You could put your hands on Jerry Rice back then. Jerry Rice now? I mean... It's, Kind of crazy. If you look at the numbers of what these guys put up, when they put it up, how would they be different nowadays? I think that that would be the interesting. And even some of these quarterbacks who you weren't throwing 35 times. I mean, you sort of threw because, you know, you had to. Not because you wanted to, because you had to. You ran the football. That's what it was all about. Just run the football. Yeah, Paul.
7: You know, Lawrence Taylor, it wasn't short. It was nine out of ten years he was first-team All-Pro, mm-hmm. including his rookie. He was Defensive Player of the Year as a rookie. Yeah. Not Defensive I, Rookie wow. Player of the Year. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, that's really nutty. How about uh, Deion Sanders focusing just on football for 13, 14 years?
4: Well, but oh. I, I can't uh, – that's not part of the equation. It would be like me saying to Lawrence Taylor, oh. hey, don't go out at night. How's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, that going to work out? I mean, it's uh, – Hey, that's not. That's not happening. And someone tried that, I think. Oh, I'm sure they did. I still love that story that Phil Sims tells about Lawrence Taylor, where uh, Phil Sims' wife came in and woke him up and said, uh, "Hey, Lawrence is here," and it was real early in the morning, and Lawrence hadn't been to bed, and he wanted to borrow Phil's golf clubs. So, <laughs> uh, Lawrence is here, huh? Go out there, hey, can I use your golf clubs? Yeah, pulling.
7: People are sending in a few current players, current NFL players that could be in this conversation. Aaron Donald is first-team All-Pro, I think, seven of his eight seasons. Yeah. And it doesn't sound sound like he's dropping off anytime soon. Yeah. But how old is he? He has uh, just turned 30. Yeah,
4: yeah. Wow. Let's bring in Tom Pellicero. Tom, thanks for being patient. Uh, let me ask you the question that we've been uh, mulling over. Um, you can have any player in the history of the sport to start your team with non-quarterback.
2: And I'm getting them at the start of their career, yes. like draft eligible. They're 21 years old. Yeah. It's pretty hard to go against Lawrence Taylor in a, a discussion like that. I'll default to the wisdom of Bill Belichick and say there's not that many better players than that in NFL history.
4: Yeah, we brought up Reggie White. Like I'm, I'm getting longevity if I factor that in. I'm, I'm getting twice the, the career, at least length, with Reggie White. So I, I see what Paulie said, where I'm getting a guy who's defensive player of the year at 27 and 37. Jerry Rice would also be in there as well because I'm getting longevity as well. But uh, having seen Lawrence Taylor up close and personal when he came into the league... I couldn't imagine being a quarterback. I mean, I saw him in a preseason game, Tom, against the Jets and Ken O'Brien. I felt he was playing like it was the Super Bowl. I felt bad for Ken O'Brien. I could actually see fear in the face of a football player.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I was born in 1981, so I don't obviously remember the early stages of Lawrence Taylor's career, but I do remember even later in his career when you know there was a lot of different stuff going on with him. He was still a fearsome player and, Again, I've just listened to Bill Belichick talk many times about him and just the attitude and the physicality and you know, the athletic ability that he brought to the field. And then you just go, you watch the old highlight clips. Yeah. And it's like he's, he's from a different planet in those. You know, He's got the enormous shoulder pads that I think makes everybody look smaller, yet somehow he looks like this enormous figure who just kind of engulfs these quarterbacks.
4: But also he changed, if, if you look at, at um, you know, offenses, a defensive player changed offenses uh, in how they blocked him. So you'd have the tight end and the tackles stay in. You know, Joe Gibbs did that with Washington. I don't know how many other football players where, you know, the offenses had to change their philosophy just to stop a defensive player. Um, you know, Lawrence Taylor stands out to me, obviously. Um, maybe Dion with what he did, how he did it, taking away half the field. But can you think of another defensive player that, offenses had to try to figure out how to stop? Well,
2: throwing away from from Dion. I mean, that was a a big piece of it. Um, You know, flipping over to the offensive side of the ball, defenses had to change for Randy Moss. I mean, the year in 1999, I believe the Packers used their first three picks on cornerbacks just to try to figure (laughs) out what they were going to do with them. Now, he was very much a straight-line speed type of guy. Where he just, but he could get over the top. He could win 50 50 balls. He could beat you down the field. You'd get the ball in his hands and he could do some, you know, freaky stuff. You think back to his punt return days and the other things he could do. I mean, he was a, a rare, rare athlete and, you know, classic example of that process. He slid in the draft for a variety of reasons, Everybody, ever, even though everyone knew that he was a absolutely hellacious player. Um, but if, you know, if you're talking about starting your franchise with somebody, well, Randy played for a few franchises, and there were reasons behind that. But you talk about you know, Reggie White 10 years apart being the defensive player of the year. Randy Moss had two of the greatest seasons we ever saw in 1998 and 2007 after a venture to uh, the Raiders for a couple of seasons uh, there in between. I mean, I've never seen a, a better rookie receiver in my lifetime than Moss, and I'm not sure I've ever seen a player have a better season than he did uh, when he joined up with Tom Brady in 07.
4: NFL Network's coverage of so the draft from Vegas kicks off Thursday at 8 Eastern with the first round. Where's the drama in the draft, Tom?
2: Everywhere. <laughs> That's the simplest way to, to put it right now. I know that you don't have the, the clear-cut number 1 quarterback. You don't have the sexy skill position guys who are going to get drafted really high. You've got some really, you know, good, solid players up at the top of the draft. Guys like Aiden Hutchinson, highly productive um, all signs point to have him having a really long and, and good career. Uh, but the fact that we're sitting here talking about a guy in Trayvon Walker who, granted, has unbelievable traits um, but had, I believe, nine sacks in his entire college career at Georgia being the number one overall pick, that's just that's indicative of just kind of the uncertainty that you have in this draft. Uh, it, a lot of that is driven by the quarterbacks. There's, uh, in just talking to all the GMs and head coaches I have over the past, 48 to 72 hours here. Everybody's trying to figure out at what point uh, the quarterbacks begin to go. That is absolutely going to be some of the driving drama, certainly in our NFL network coverage, as much as you never want to knock the the offensive linemen. You know, the fact that you could have three or four offensive tackles in the top 10 is not exactly going to be, you know, the peak of excitement, but you know, when does Malik Willis go? When does Kenny Pickett go? Uh, When does Desmond Ritter go? These guys, Sam Howell, they're ranked in all different ways, across different boards. I had a phone call last night uh, with a head coach who told me he thought Desmond Ritter is going to be the best one out of Ottawa, all these guys, <laughs> which you haven't heard anywhere because everyone's talking about Willis or Pickett as the top quarterback. There's just there's so much, uh, you know, opinion that goes into this and different teams have different ways of evaluating things. I think there's drama all over the place. It just might not feel like going into the draft. You have the same drama because we don't know that there's one, two, three quarterbacks that are definitely going to go in the top five. All
4: right, we have a bet here in-house that uh, my producer, Paulie, thinks a quarterback will go in the top 13 picks.
2: That's a pretty good over-under if we're we're setting such things uh, here in Vegas. Uh, You know, the hot spots would seem to be you've got Carolina and Atlanta at six and eight respectively. Both those teams are threats to take a quarterback. That seems rich for both teams to take a quarterback, but you heard Scott Fitterer the Panthers' GM saying yesterday that the sweet spot for a trade down would be somewhere in the teens. Well, where do the other threats lie? You've got the Saints who own 16 and 19. You've got the Steelers who own 20. If you're a team that's going to trade down and still try to get a quarterback, you're not going to want to drop below those picks. And if you're a team that's trying to come up, you're probably thinking you've got to get ahead of certainly Pittsburgh, uh, but also New Orleans as well, and that's kind of the the gamesmanship that goes into this, and it's why you know right now you know sometimes there's reports about this team's getting calls or making calls about trading down. Well, odds are they're also making trades about you know, calls about trading back. They're having conversations with all these different teams to figure out okay what would the price be if we did this, and because again you have so much less certainty at the top of the draft, there are way more scenarios that these GMs are having to talk through just because if it comes to you. On the clock, you've got to be prepared to take a player, but you've also got to be prepared for a lot of different scenarios that can play out based upon what's happened in the few picks ahead of you.
4: Okay. I want you on record, the quarterback and the team. Who takes the first quarterback?
2: The team is a difficult one, Dan, and predictions are a dangerous aspect of the business. If you are saying the safe pick, how about this, the safe bet, is going to be that the New Orleans Saints, with one of their two picks at 16 or 19, take a quarterback. Okay. That's not to say that they will. I'm not reporting that they will before anybody tweets that <laughs> What I'm saying is I think a lot of people focus on the Steelers, but don't overlook the Saints. They did a ton of work on all these quarterbacks. Uh, they had private visits uh, with a bunch of them. They're in a position where they brought back Jameis Winston. He's making you know decent money. I want to say it's $14 million a year uh, base but it's certainly not top of the echelon starter money. And you're starting over with a new head coach in Dennis Allen. So it would make sense uh, if I were betting for, you know, any team, let's take New Orleans out of it for a second. If I had to pick one quarterback to go first, I would say based on all my conversations, the best bet is Malik Willis from Liberty, simply because there are a bunch of coaches who have said similar things to me, which is he's the only guy who has those elite traits. This is a Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen world. Hmm. You can watch Kenny Pickett. He's running a pro-style offense. He's making every throw you want to see. Had a great final year at Pitt where he was for, you know, six years. He started like 50 games there but broke out last season. Um, You know, a little bit like Joe Burrow in that he doesn't have the elite arm, uh, but he's accurate enough. He's got really good leadership traits, smallish hands. Uh, but it's where's the upside with Kenny Pickett? With Malik Willis, the floor is much lower than it is on Pickett, but he, Willis won over a lot of people through, obviously, his workouts. He's got a cannon arm, really good running ability, innate playmaking ability. You watch his highlight tape. It's unbelievable some of the throws he makes, but he's coming from a super simplistic offense at Liberty, much like what Sam Howell ran, much like what Matt Corral ran. Uh, is he going to be able to make his game translate over? And when he played, you know, Legit opponents, like top 25 type of opponents. He had two games against them, Ole Miss and Coastal Carolina, I think were the two that beat Coastal. They lost to Ole Miss. But Malik Willis had, like, no touchdowns and five interceptions in those two games. Ran for five touchdowns. But those are all things that you're taking into account here. You're projecting the traits. The traits are there. He's shorter, but the traits are strong. You're just wondering, can he make the leap? And where he impressed people in his interviews was both on the board and in his personality. Guys, people kind of think, much like Trey Lance a year ago, they think this guy can do it. You're betting on the person as much as you are the player.
4: I'll leave you with this. Uh, who has a new team first, Debo Samuel or Baker Mayfield?
2: The smart money there would be on Baker Mayfield. And sorry for all these gambling puns. I'm really not trying to do it. I think it <laughs> seeped into my veins after several days here at the Cosmopolitan. Uh, the smart money would be on Baker Mayfield. Just because everyone knows that the Browns you know, are in a position where they probably have to deal them. You never say never about them holding on to them into camp or even having them start the season, depending on what happens with Deshaun Watson and whether there potentially could be an NFL suspension. That investigation's ongoing. But they're going to get calls probably most likely after round one when people see where those top quarterbacks ended up going. So Baker Mayfield could be something. It could happen before the draft too, but most likely Friday is when the leverage points are going to line up for a potential trade with Debo Samuel. There absolutely are teams interested. Um, I can tell you there's multiple offers that have been made. The people in the league who know Kyle Shanahan best do not believe he's going to trade this guy. Kyle doesn't want players to be calling their shots. Debo is also somebody who he's told his own team. Kyle has told his own players in the past, this guy is probably the best player I've ever been around. And he can do so many different things in that offense. Mm an offense that really revolves around being able to run the same plays over and over out of a lot of different personnel groups. That's why Kyle Juszczyk so valuable to him. That's why Debo's so valuable to him. He doesn't want to let the guy go, but they're going to have to make a determination sooner than later, and most likely it would have to be today just because then you need to work out the contract, the compensation. Ideally, you'd physical him before the draft begins tomorrow to finish off the trade as well Uh, because you're going to be talking about uh, a first-round pick and more being involved in that trade. It's going to have to get moving if it happens. I'm not saying it won't. I would just tell you the people who have talked to Kyle, the people who know how he and John Lynch think, are skeptical that he's actually going to let the guy go.
4: Thank you, buddy. Have a good time, Tom. We'll be watching. Anytime, Dan. Thanks. That's Tom Pellicero. He's a reporter for the NFL Network, and you can watch the coverage on the NFL Network. It's 8 Eastern tomorrow night first round. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app.
3: Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport whether you believe in analytics or the eye test we've got all the bases covered new episodes drop every Thursday so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast
5: witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other
3: sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com Toyota, let's go places
4: Cat. The Lakers announced on Monday a nine-part documentary series will air on Hulu in uh, 2022 they said this uh, a while ago uh, the project will be uh, helmed by Jeannie Bus, and according to the release by the team, the series will cover the last four decades of Laker basketball And uh, Pat Riley, Phil Jackson, Magic, Kareem, Shaq, all are going to be involved. The release also promises never-before-seen interview footage from the late owner, Jerry Buss. So this was last year they announced that, and this is coming out sometime in 2022. All right. Uh, We'll get to more phone calls coming up. We make way for uh, Reggie Miller, NBA Hall of Famer. He did uh, Pelican Suns last night. And on the call for Game 6 in New Orleans, that'll be tomorrow night, 7.30 Eastern on TNT. Reg, good to have you back. Is there any chance that Zion could play tomorrow night?
6: No. Okay. Uh, look, I've been calling and clamoring for it. But uh, you see him in warm-ups, and he looks over He looks overweight. But some of the moves he is making in his warm-ups, oh, my goodness. And that's why I keep yelling to the rooftops, if you can go through your legs two times and reverse 360 jam, you can give me 15 minutes, Theodore. You can give me 15 minutes. But I think the Pelicans are going to err on the side of caution. And they are in such a rhythm right now with – the nucleus that has gotten them to this point. I don't think they want to kind of
4: mess up the apple cart. Do you think he wants to play and they don't want him to play?
6: I think if I'm sitting over there and I'm Zion Williamson and I feel I could help this team, sure. Any player wants to feel that they could be out there to, you know, help their squad out.
4: Um, This feels like the opposite of the Nets with Ben Simmons. That I don't know. I, I look, it's it's hard for me, you know, people always
6: ask me, now, you know, I've been retired fifteen plus years. Do I miss the game? And I tell usually I tell them during the regular season, not so much because of the travel and the day to day wear to tear. What I miss the most about NBA is now the playoffs. And to see some of our young stars not want to be a part of it. And now again, I know injuries are a part of it, and I'm not saying Zion does not want to be a part of it. But this is the best time of the year because you're going against the best, and it's the adjustments and the everyday stress is what I missed about the playoffs, the adjustments and just hand-to-hand, head-to-head mental challenge battle. And I'm sure if Zion could play if was allowed to play he would be out there but just looking at his body he doesn't look like he's 100 percent in shape and when you get to this level of the playoffs you've got to be all in
4: well you did say this about ben simmons out for game four this dude has zero competitive fire um, he did say that he wasn't going to play in game three there was a chance he was going to play in game four i i just don't know what it is if, if it is you know, that there's something deeper to this. Um, I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to be sensitive to it. But after a while, you're like, look, if you think you can play, then this isn't mental. This is about physical. And what treatment are you getting? You know, it just feels like it's fair game to be able to ask him some of these things because he keeps hinting. And, and somebody's leaking this information to the media saying, hey, you know what? He's been pain free for 10 days. Been working out. He could play and get, like, I, I, I'm baffled at what happened this entire year with Ben Simmons.
6: The Nets easily could have won game one. You usually could have won game two. They come back home down, love two, And as a former basketball player, and during my time, you know, I had, I wouldn't say bad ankles, but I would twist my ankles from time to time and being able to play through that pain. Case in point against MJ during the conference finals. At some point, and, you know, for him to say, I'm not going to play game three, but I could play game four. If you could play game four, you could play game three when your team needs you the most. So you let that slide. Then when you go down 3-0, you can't come back and say my back is hurting. I had a misstep. The optics of it just looks bad. You can't hint of coming back mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden be put back on the shelf. That was the whole point I was making because you, as they need you, and as slim as of a chance as it was, they were never going to come back and win that series. But you still do have Kevin Durant and a Kyrie. And if you win one game, you don't know, someone could twist the ankle in Boston and they'd be down one guy. It, it, it's possible, not likely, but it was possible. But Go out there for 15, 18 minutes. You know, give your fan base something to look forward to for next season. But to totally shelf it, and that's what you've done all season long, I think that's what frustrates people. So that's why I say the comparative fight. You've got to have you. You have to have it. And a number number two, your team has got to feel like they can trust you. Do you think he, think he plays for the him, net? Right?
4: Do you think he wants to play on like next year? Wait, what happens in the off season where all of a sudden he's ready to go and he's a different player?
6: I guess we'll see next October. Now, won't we? Yeah. I mean. It, it, he won't play in the summer league. They won't risk that. So we'll, we'll just have to wait till next October. It's crazy. But if you're the Nets, don't you have to wait and, and see what this looks like with Kevin Durant and Kyrie and Ben Simmons? I mean, you made the trade. If not, you basically gave James Harden away, which at this point, I mean, James is not looking great, but at least he's playing and he's capable.
4: Man, I would have so, him play think, in the summer league, Reg. I, I, like at some point, i not, I got to have him there out is there. no
6: way they're going to risk him playing in the summer league no. because if he plays in the summer league against G League and rookies and he gets shown up, that fan base will go crazy. They can't risk him looking bad or, or not looking up to par after having all this time off. They are not going to risk him playing in a summer league game.
4: Talking to Reggie Miller, he'll be on the call. Game six tomorrow night, seven thirty Eastern on TNT. The Pelicans and the Suns. Uh, Booker is not going to be back for this series.
6: No, okay. he's done, um, and he very well could be done. The start if they were to advance, the start of the next round. I mean, these things take two to three weeks, and we're coming up on game six
4: tomorrow. Um, well, Luca, but... Luca was out for a while. As well with the hamstring and a calf string, two different things. Okay, two
6: different things.
4: Um,
6: but again, you never know. And I, you, we talk about competitive fire. Devin Booker hasn't. I, I think if it was up to Devin Booker, he probably would would risk it. But he was out two and a half, three w- weeks on the right one. I believe he had in December or January. Um, I think this one is the left one. So. I think they're going to err on the side of caution. You don't win 32 games on the road, 32 games at home, 64 wins without having some hiccups. Both Chris Paul and Devin Booker at times have missed a chunk of time, and they didn't miss a beat. So I think that's what they're counting on, their experience, their finals experience from a year ago. And they are a deep team, and there are a bunch of role players that understand that. You just hope they're not taxing Chris Paul because last night, going into halftime, he was absolutely gassed, and they're putting a lot on his plate. Yeah. And that's why the other guys like Mikel Bridges, who played great, uh, playoff career high thirty-one points. Those kind of guys have to step up and and play a significant role.
4: Uh, John Morant last night, uh, the Grizzlies come back from thirteen down, and he had a dunk heard around the NBA. Uh, you know recency bias. Well, that's got to be the greatest playoff dunk of all time. Um, it's not. It it was impressive because it helped that team win a game. That's the most important thing out of this. Um, you got a few all time playoff dunks that uh, you want to bring up?
6: I would say was the Dr. J cuff over Michael Cooper, was that a playoff game, or was that a regular season game?
4: I think that was uh, playoffs. I that, think that would have been that, finals.
6: That's one of them. I'm trying to think another all-time dunk in a game. I'm sure Michael has a few. Scotty um,
4: over Ewing?
6: Oh, yes. Yeah, Scotty definitely over Ewing. Then throwing them down, walking over them, walking over to Spike Lee, telling him to sit his yeah, that's classic. That whole, I kind of like that one. That's a good one.
4: John Starks dunking on the Bulls in the playoffs, the left-handed. Yes, left-handed. KJ dunking on Elijah Wan, left-handed.
6: Very nice, yes. But but here's the guys. other thing,
4: Reg. It's, it, when you dunk on somebody, there's somebody up there to greet you at the rim. Not, I'm going to stand here and take a charge. That's not dunking on somebody. But
6: it is because if you look at where Jaw took off,
4: all right, the dotted line, right? all right, all right, and
6: cocked it all the way back. But the guy, he had Normally nobody was
4: guarding him up there. It was just he had to he had to maneuver around Malik Beasley.
6: That is something Theodore. You, know, oh. you, know, you and I are talking. You and I are talking because we're experienced three-point shooters. We don't get to navigate way up there, you and I. Well, you don't. That's well, why you used to at Dayton. That, well, that's why I still have
4: I, I have a knee replacement, Reg. <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> what,
4: Paulie? Dan, we're forgetting
7: a dunk. Uh, Reggie Miller versus the Nets, Kenyon Martin, Jason Kidd. I think that's it was an right. overtime.
6: I dunked on the whole uh, <laughs> Nets team. And for the record, Paulie, I do have to say this. That was my last official in-game dunk ever. So that was the last time I ever dunked in a game, which I wish I would have saved it for that Detroit series when Tayshon was coming from behind. Oh. I had nothing left in the tank. Oh. I had nothing left in the tank. Damn.
4: I know. You still think about that, don't you? Yeah, because it was a goal tent.
6: Okay, wait, <laughs> all right, okay, I'm not going to... I can't go there because <laughs> they didn't call it. Um, yes, I do think about it, Theodore.
4: What What advice would you give? Okay, let, let, me, let me preface this by saying, you know, I see John Moran at age 22 attacking the rim, and we've seen players, young players, attacking the rim, and then they eventually, you know, develop other skills. You either get hurt or you change or you get hurt and change. You know, Jordan stopped going to the hoop. Uh, Iverson started stopped attacking and Derrick Rose stopped attacking. What advice would you give Ja Morant, a twenty two year old Ja Morant, right now with his game? I'm not gonna tell him to stop at all. I love his aggressiveness. I think you wouldn't worry about time, him getting hurt?
6: He'll over time he will figure it out. I think I guess we could throw Dwayne Wade in there yes. as well. Yeah. You don't want to take away a player's ability to think and and to react on the fly. Look, all the, the, the guys that you just mentioned, Hall of Famers, they figured it out in time. Now, he missed, what, like 25 games this year? Um, and I, I think the way he approaches the game, I'm not going to put a saddle on a dude where his biggest attribute is being able to break down the defense. Now, learning how to fall, knowing how to roll, that will come in time. But I'm not going to say, "Like, dude, you need to start working on your jump shot because you're taking too many hits. No, because what he's doing, he gets the Grizzlies in the bonus early. He puts pressure on bigs. He gets guys in foul trouble. I am not going to try to put a saddle on a wild horse. I'll try to tame him the older he gets. But you be you, Ja, and continue to be great.
4: Can you help me understand what bus rider and bus driver and what the hell Charles Barkley and Kevin Durant are (laughs) arguing about here, Reg? Oh, my God. I I think it changes every day, (laughs) truthfully. Um, Do you consider – is Kevin Durant a bus driver or a bus rider? Well,
6: here's the thing, because – it depends on what. Wait, wait, wait! Is.
4: You didn't answer that. Is he a bus? Is, is was he riding the bus or driving the bus with the Warriors?
6: Well, he was a he was a Finals MVP back to back years. Okay. Okay. So to me, that's somewhat driving the bus. Okay. Where he could have been a rider is you joined the '73 and '19 to get those two rings. Yeah. That's the. That's what people on both sides of the fence will say if you're a Kevin Durant fan and if you're not. But, I mean, you don't get back-to-back finals MVP and average 35 points against LeBron James if you're not a bus driver.
4: Yeah, I, I, I thought Charles, you know, Charles was a bus rider. He, I mean, he tried to join Houston with, you know, those stars there, and he got out of uh, Philly to go to Phoenix, so, I, I mean, there's part of that, that if you want to get real particular, he tried to bus ride to get a title in Houston.
6: True. Um, but I think all those guys, when he was in Houston, were pastor prime. Clyde, Hakeem, and Charles, and Scotty.
4: Yeah.
6: I mean, these guys were just trying to get together for one last hurrah. See, you're a bus driver.
4: You you never got on somebody else's bus. You were always driving the bus in Indiana for nearly two decades.
6: But maybe I should have been a bus (laughs) rider because that's what all... It's funny because we knock Kevin Durant for being a bus rider, bus driver, but the media says the championships, championship matters, championships, championships, Reggie didn't win a championship. But so... You know, we knock not from being a rider versus a driver. At the end of the day, media, which one is more important? Important, loyalty or championships or both? Well, give me we the team be... you
4: almost went to. Was it Boston you were going to come back and play for that team that won the title?
6: Yeah, but that wasn't given. They weren't considered the favorites, but it was close. But you, you would have won a title. Any... Yeah, in hindsight, but going into that season, did everyone be like, oh, They're going to win. It wasn't set that they were going to
4: win a championship. But if you knew that they were going to win a championship, would you have come back and played? I I I couldn't do
6: it because all the tears I shed in Indiana with with that fan base, we cried together on all those you know those hurtful Knicks losses, Bulls losses, Lakers losses in the finals. Um, It wouldn't be. Fair for me to be on a podium or a stage popping bub because I won my one championship and in Indiana we as a team we grew up together we had the heartaches together I can't be sipping champagne and getting a ring and I didn't do it for y'all that's just my mentality Mm -hmm. that's just my thinking
4: all right that's
6: fair and I'm, I'm not saying it's right because you know people on Twitter will go crazy. That I didn't win a championship. Okay, I'm cool with that. But at least I I went down swinging and fighting. Would you join? More would about. you
4: join another radio show if you could have a better chance to win? Don't you
6: think Colin Coward has been calling left and right <laughs> yeah. for me to join his show? You think? I, you think? Uh, Skip Bayless. Uh, no, skip cycle. Don't always call me to come <laughs> no, on. No. Absolutely. You think I'm going to jump ship okay. to go on one of those shows all right. when I'm on the premiere show of all time? All right. I don't think so.
4: Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? We haven't won anything, Reg.
6: We're the <laughs> Pacers. You know That's why we're, why the... we're in the same boat. <laughs> We're gonna When we win our first one, it's going to be like we won five
4: together. We're the Indiana Pacers of uh, Sports Talk Radio. But we're coming.
6: We're coming for you, PTI. <laughs> yeah. Will Bond, yeah. Kornheiser, we're coming for y'all.
4: Yeah, those punks. Uh, Reg will be on the call tomorrow night, 730 Eastern on TNT. The Pelicans and the Suns. Thank you, Reg. Safe travels.
6: Love you, Theodore, and I love my Daness.
5: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.